This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Slack. Slack is a collaboration hub for work that makes sure the right people in your team are always in the loop and key information is always at their fingertips. And you can learn more at slack.com. It's Thursday, October 4th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio, Seth Jason. Thanks Hello. for being here. You're welcome. Sorry to pull you away from lunch. We had a time mix-up. There was I a mix-up. I was. You were was, mid-meal. And I was I like, was "Oh, did I forget to tell you the time to come in the studio?" A, yeah, chimney changa and uh, <laughs> refried beans reheated into my craw. Uh, we've got some earnings news. We got to start with the stock of the day, and miraculously, the stock of the day is Barnes and Noble. Uh, shares of Barnes and Noble up more than twenty percent today on mm-hmm. the news that the bookseller is uh, looking to sell itself. They're basically putting together a select committee to evaluate offers. Shouldn't they have done this a while ago? Well, they tried to do it a couple of different times. They tried back in 2011. They tried in no 2013. No one wanted it. Imagine that. Well, I, there were people interested, and I think it was not at a price that uh, yeah. that the company was willing to sell itself at. So we've. I'm looking at it this morning, wondering what the price should be. Here, usually, there's something here, some kind of an asset that maybe you know your cigar butt. Uh, Picker uppers would be interested in, but you look at this, and there, there's not real estate here. There's you know leased stores. There's you know there's some inventory and stuff. I have I looked at this. I cannot for the life of me figure out why anybody would pay more money for this. Now, the hope I guess if you're buying this is that you can somehow fix what's going on. Bookstores actually aren't dead. Smaller bookstores are doing well, and one of the reasons I think is that Amazon is terrible at books. Ironically. Because they started with books, right? They yeah. even stole their name from a bookstore in Minneapolis. Amazon was a bookstore, also a river. Yeah, and uh, but um, the bookstore business that works right now is sort of small neighborhood independent bookstores. And Barnes and Noble, of course, came along and clobbered a lot of them. So uh, it'd be great if the the original owners who got killed by Barnes and Noble uh, business wise were the ones getting revenge now. But uh, I mean, I mean, there was a couple of years ago. I guess Barnes and Noble was maybe thinking about going this route. But really, what they've got is sort of mall and strip mall bookstore type properties, right? The big same old, same old. And I think that's that's just tough in today's market. Uh, the sad thing is, I, I mean, I like going to Barnes and Noble with with my kiddo because when we need book recommendations, we can get them there, as opposed to Amazon, where I get literally last time I tried to find children's books for my kid. I got inundated with stuff that was like Rush Limbo's children's book series. Swear to God. Thanks a lot, Amazon, for nothing. Um, I thought you were going to say you were getting stuff like A Gentleman in Moscow. <laughs> Just like these like very well-regarded adult books. Close to novels. as bad. I mean, I, I'm, I'm stunned by how worthless Amazon is for finding books. Um, so, I go to the bookstores. And then, unlike maybe a lot of Americans, when the very good uh, staff at the Barnes & Noble uh, up at Tyson's Corner help us find books, we buy them there. We don't go home and order them to try to save a few pennies, I believe, in, in paying the people who helped you out. Um, but I think for Barnes & Noble to work, from a buyer standpoint, and somebody buys the company, is that I don't I don't know where they go. I think you have to try that small format. Maybe you need to somehow right size the the store base, but I don't know how you do that. The one in the one in Tyson's Corner 
here in the D.C. area looks like it does fine. It's always full, but we are in an area where that mall is always full. And as we know, across America, malls are empty a lot more than they used to be. Well, and that was the case for a long time with Barnes & Noble, that they had certain locations, and, and I forget the exact address in New York City, but there was like one featured behemoth of a location in New York City that was I remember it. was printing money mm-hmm. essentially and so for a long time that was the story with Barnes and Noble like gosh if they could just look to get more efficient with their locations not expand everywhere as you said right size the business and instead they they went down the road of trying to compete with e-readers they had the whole investment in nooks yeah, it i was, guess you had to try that i was going to say it wasn't a bad idea they just couldn't pull it off yeah and they you knew it wasn't working years ago years ago and, and lost money for a long time so and then they spun out you know the educational bookstore so, Part right, which also hasn't been doing well, and so it's really tough. I think it's tough to do with those big stores when people are not driving to the mall or to the strip mall for books anymore. In the newer kind of urban areas where people are buying books, they want to walk past it, and that means a small bookstore. Maybe there's room for a national chain opening small bookstores. You know who could probably do a better job of it? Maybe they should buy this. Starbucks, right? They already have a relationship. They have them in there. What if they sold? What if Starbucks said? We're going to open a chain of these small bookstores. Maybe they could do a better job because they've got, they're in these places in small locations. They are, although as a Starbucks shareholder, I you don't want them doing that. I, I don't think I want them doing that. I feel It'd like be there, risky. there are better ways for them to invest their money. I think there are, but I'm just pointing out that I think that's the only strategy that's going to work. And I don't know if it works at the uh, 20 percent premium price that uh, Barnes & Noble is commanding today, right? That's really the thing that's amazing to me, is looking at Barnes & Noble's market cap this morning. It was like $400 million well, yesterday or well, something? Yeah, yesterday, $400 million. Today, it's closing in on $500 million. And Remember I, when 100, <laughs> and there's, what is, I guess, Amazon like burps a $100 million market cap <laughs> difference every five minutes, probably, right? I think that's right. But I looked at this and I thought, gosh, if, if the stock wasn't taking off, I could see there is a price at which Barnes & Noble makes sense as an acquisition for some company. The fact that it's 20% higher, I think, reduces the likelihood that they find a buyer. Yeah, it's tough to figure out. What's that name really worth? Do people really care? What is the expertise worth? Because there aren't a lot of hard assets underlying this, at least as as far as I can see. If somebody else knows what those hard assets are, uh, please let me know, because they sure didn't jump off the balance sheet at me. So, Drop us an email, marketfoolery at fool.com. Title it, Seth is an idiot. <laughs> It'll go in the bin with all the other Seth is an idiot email. <laughs> exactly. How are we separated? Uh, Constellation Brands up about 5% today. Uh, this is the parent company of a bunch of wine brands, liquor brands, probably best known as the parent of Corona. You know who likes drinking? Seems like everybody. Yeah, so a lot of people, myself included. Uh, second quarter results came in higher than expected. That's boosting the stock today. I'm I'm curious what you think of this quarter because one of the things that's getting the headlines for Constellation Brands is they made that recent investment in canopy growth. Well, it's, it's they're like, looking into, yeah. in, into cannabis, and they went that's out of their way to highlight the pot stock. Uh, one of the pot stocks extraordinaire, which doesn't actually have much business yet because they're waiting, you know, for for the recreational market to open up in Canada and then hoping in the U.S., right? They have some medical marijuana sales right now. But what do we, I think it's 
Canopy is like an eleven billion dollar company with sixty million sales or something. I mean, it's that was the thing that Constellation highlighted. They said, "Oh, and by the way, we have over one billion dollars in unrealized gains." Exactly from they, our investment in Canopy. They bought growth. some stock and they need to market up. So, you know, there's a billion dollars of fake earnings here, uh, unless you know they were selling into this, but. They're not selling into this mania, are they? They're going to put $4 billion more into the business, right? Yes. They're going to buy $4 billion more. So, as I understand Canopy, and I am a newcomer to Canopy, their idea, I think that the story they're selling, and I say they're selling a story because I think that's what their main product is right now, is that they want to be like the, the constellation of, of pot, right? So, they're... If you look, they were issuing they're issuing a press release every couple of days for a long time now. And you look at some of these companies they were buying, they don't do much. And then you look at the people behind some of these companies, and they look kind of suspicious. And so I'm sort of going, is that little pot company you bought down there in Chile or this one up here in Canada really such a great business? But everybody seems to go, oh, you know, it's going to be. So this is going to be the constellation of pot we're going to have. Uh, all these different pot brands and Constellation wants in on that. The crazy thing to me is that you would take like $4 billion if you're Constellation and put that in here. You've already got a pretty good stake in this company. If it by some chance turns out to be big and important, you own a, a pretty big chunk already. I mean, Constellation, you look at their margins, they can sell anything to anybody, right? They have people drinking Corona for crying out loud. <laughs> Not, not a fan of Corona. <laughs> oh God! So uh, it's what? It's the Coors of Mexico, or, or is it the Natty Bow? I'm not sure what it is. Not sure. But people drink it. Um, so that obviously they can sell anything to anybody if it's if it's booze. They do a good job. At it. They get great cash flow out of this. Buy your own shares for crying out loud! You do a great job. I don't know why you need something as as, as speculative as marijuana, especially with you know an investment that is you know a tenth of your current market cap or something like that. So that was the thing that makes the Canopy investment all the more puzzling. When you look at this latest quarter from Constellation Brands, beer sales on the rise. Um, shipments on the rise. Same for wine and spirits. It's and like, they're selling higher margin stuff. Corona's expensive. I mean, it's basically water, and it's expensive. I don't know why they're not sticking to their knitting on this one because they're doing a good job, and it's not exciting. I, well, I mean, to your point, they already had the investment in canopy growth. Yeah. I'm not sure why they felt so confident in it that they felt the need to increase it to the degree that they did. When as, you know, with some like, borrowed money. I'm sure it'll all work out. I'm sure if it works out fine, everyone will say, see, you idiots there didn't know anything. And if it doesn't work out fine, nobody will remember that we lightly poo-pooed it. You know what, Constellation, just sell the booze. Everybody likes, everyone likes drinking. Well, there's certainly enough of it. But, uh, you know, here's here's the good thing as, as investors, because I, like you, I'm not, I'm not an investor in cannabis. I, um, I am, however, very curious to see how all of this plays out, and I think that's going to be one of the more interesting things to, to watch over the next 12 months, as we're now, what, two weeks away from the legalization kicking in in Canada. Um, we have four more states... Don't try and call Canada. <laughs> four, four more states uh, in the, here in the U.S. have uh, various levels of legalization on the ballot in the midterm elections. Yeah. And so, now we're going to see, it's like, okay, Everyone, it's not just canopy growth. Yeah. All of these companies have been 
pushing the story, pushing yeah. the trend, and it has largely worked out for them. And now, it's uh, to to use a tired cliche, it's this is where the rubber meets the road, and we're going to see yeah. um, who who speeds ahead and who ends up as roadkill. The thing is with 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 booze and with drinking. I, I used to brew beer, right? Beer is actually you know kind of tough to make, especially in the quantities you might want to drink it. Same thing, spirits you can't. Pot is really easy to grow. <laughs> It's a weed. And I don't say that because I'm growing pot. I say that because I, I ride my bike through Iowa quite often. And on the small roads, you're still seeing ditch weed from the 40s. You're seeing hemp from the 40s. It is impossible not to grow pot. And so I don't understand why the marijuana industry doesn't just become a really fragmented. Everyone likes small brands now, right? So if there's brands, why would it be big brand? Wouldn't it be a bunch of small artisanal Nobody can see my finger quotes from the podcast. Artisanal brands, and then and then the underlying product is just an agricultural commodity. I mean, if if you're growing pot, you want to grow it in Iowa, you will have no problem getting the costs down a long way. Quick shout out to Slack for supporting today's episode of Market Foolery. Slack is a collaboration hub for work, whatever work you do. And with Slack, the right people in your team are kept in the loop, and the information they need is always at their fingertips. Teamwork on Slack happens in channels, and it lets you organize conversations and information around projects, offices, and teams. And because everything you need is in one place, it's faster and easier to get things done. And with Slack, your team is better connected. Uh, when Seth and I were working on stories today, we were doing it on Slack. When uh, Seth wanted to know what time we were going to start taping, he hit I me said. up on Slack. And I stepped away from my computer and, uh, and didn't see that message, which is why I had to interrupt your lunch. You're horrible. <laughs> I look, I'm horrible for reasons far beyond anything you that I said. Interrupted my reheated bounty. <laughs> um, Slack makes it easy to share files, whether it's documents, links to articles, and it works with Google Drive and Salesforce, and you can tailor it to work with over 1,000 apps. Uh, Slack, where work happens. Find out why at slack.com. Uh, as I said before, our email address is marketfoolery@fool.com. Question from Lance Price, who asks, I always enjoy Market Foolery and Motley Fool Money. Will there be any podcast listener meetups in Denver? Yes, there will be. But everyone's going to be so stoned that you won't get any questions answered. <laughs> I guess we'll see. It's going to be Tuesday, October 23rd. So if you are in the Denver area, email us, marketfooleryatfool.com, and we will send you all of the details for our listener meetup. That's Tuesday, October 23rd. Uh, in Denver, there really is one. There really is one. I don't think those guys will be stoned. Actually, I I'm just my my experience. My last experience in Colorado, I was out there to run Pikes Peak Marathon. Uh, the hotel room was across the parking lot from a uh, marijuana store, and the the parking lot was so full all day that it really scared me. Uh, did you uh, partake to uh, to help yourself with the run, either before or after? No, that is not I'd... something I'm interested in. I don't. I don't. Yeah. If, I bet someone did. I bet at least one runner was like, I'm in pain and I'm going to reduce the pain. There were plenty of people partaking downtown, I'll tell you that much. Uh, earnings season begins next week uh, with, uh, as is the case, the, uh, the big banks kicking off. And I'm curious, as we head into the final earnings season of 2018, what, if anything, you're watching, whether it's a company or an industry or anything. I'm interested to see how much Making America Great Again is going to uh, have an effect on a lot of the companies out there. They're paying a lot more for steel manufacturers, more for aluminum. They've got tariffs. 
and so I'm interested to see when that finally uh, starts to hit home. I mean, you read a lot of stories now in the the various newspapers of smaller businesses that are struggling, and so I want to see how that's going to flow through companies like you know Titan International, the tire maker. Well, rubber's expensive, steel's expensive, agriculture is getting pummeled because of tariffs and trade wars. Uh, how much steel and aluminum you think there is in a tractor? You know, in a tractor tire or wheel set, there's a lot. So what is this going to do to some of these companies? I'm going to be looking for that. Uh, retail, does that interest you at all? Uh, maybe it's just me, but end of the, the holiday season, I'm, I'm getting the popcorn, and I can't wait to see who's doing what. Yeah, we won't we won't know much about that for another few months till we see what's happening. But uh, apparently, Americans are are big on buying everything right now. So I, I'm guessing that you'll see the usual headlines. I'm going to make an easy prediction, which is that Amazon is going to come out with some kind of wacky uh, news release about you know drone this or weird delivery that or something. You know the kind of thing they always do right around uh, the Christmas shopping season in order to get free press. We're going to see one of those. I think we're going to see one of those in terms of the second headquarter announcement, don't you? You think they'll they'll tip it for that? I, I mean, they they have maintained all along it will come before the end of the year, yeah. and I, I I don't know why. Maybe they, that'll be the way they get the buzz. I mean, that's I mean certainly when you look at the betting odds, and right now, or I shouldn't say Where right are now, we? the last time I checked, which was a few weeks ago, Northern Virginia was was um, was literally the betting favorite. Hmm. And one of those locations, there are a few approved locations uh, in Northern Virginia, and one of them is, I'm going to say, two-tenths of a mile from where we're sitting right now. Which one is that? It's over by the Hoffman, over by the movie theater. That's That's big enough for them? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I thought that campus was bigger than that. That's my drive to work. That's going to... (laughs) Well... You know what? I would love it if they actually... One of the things that I would like about Amazon is that they say you know they want people to be able to bicycle and stuff. If they move there and actually get some bike lanes through, I live only ten miles from this location and I can't bike here because the, the roads are awful and there's absolutely no way to get in here on a bike. If they could do that, I would be so excited. You'll be singing their praises. I would. You'll forgive them for the book thing you said earlier. I'll forgive Jeff Bezos for his haircut. Anything. How dare you? How dare I? How dare you begrudge any person's haircut? <laughs> I know. I'm on my way to where Jeff's hair is. You can see it. You can see it now on the podcast. <laughs> uh, you can go to our YouTube channel and see it. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. As always, people on the program may have interests in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>